Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. joining us for another episode of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. The 2020 ITE annual meeting took place in New Orleans at the end of July and the beginning of August. On hand to provide the keynote and to welcome the attendees was Dr. Sean Wilson, the Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development and currently serving as the President of AASHTO, the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Dr. Wilson is our guest on this episode of ITE Talks Transportation. Dr. Wilson, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. As many of our listeners know, the 2022 ITE annual meeting took place in New Orleans this year. And during the opening plenary session, you emphasized that this is the most exciting time to work in transportation. Now, I know you've worked in this field for a number of years. Can you explain why you feel that this is the most exciting time to be working in the field? Absolutely. Well, first, thank everyone who came to my hometown, New Orleans, for the conference. I thought it was a great window of uh, time to be in the city. Uh, and I really enjoyed the panel with uh, Deputy Secretary Trottenberg, and I really loved the technology that allowed the questions to bubble up to the top that everyone asked. And, and you're right, this is the most exciting and the most dynamic time to be in transportation for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, I think there's a resurgence and in investment in infrastructure, and that's infrastructure writ large, whether it's broadband, uh, whether it's new innovations like electric vehicles, whether it's dealing with social issues like climate change, or the staple of what we have is asset management, a state of good repair, and how do we get more out of what we've already built as a system. And ITE is really rooted in some of those uh, innovations and technologies. The excitement of this time is that there's a broad level of support and there's opportunity to not just talk about ideas because we've talked about CAVs, we've talked about electric vehicles, we've talked about climate change and all of these other things, but we've not had the resources to be able to really move the needle on some of these issues. And with the bipartisan infrastructure law, in place, one that was truly bipartisan, it has doubled down on the value of infrastructure. And they've challenged us to be able to manage a robust formula program that is the most diverse we've ever had. But they've also allowed us to reward performance with discretionary grants and allowing communities to be able to invest in what's important to them. And the idea that they've broadened the eligible recipients says that the priority and the decisions are changing, that it's not just a top-down component, it's a bottom-up for communities that are large and small, urban and rural, um, very diverse in terms of their racial and socioeconomic demographics. And so it's just exciting to be here when there's so much momentum. The challenges that we're facing in this time are super unique and because it's going to change the way we do business. When you think about supply chain, when you think about workforce development, when you think about globalism and what that's going to mean, aka buy America, buy American, all of that's going to cause us to have to be really creative because they've given us some swim lanes. 
And sometimes it's okay to swim out of that lane and other times it will slow you down. And so it's just very dynamic that we have uh, new leadership. We've got bipartisan investment in infrastructure. We've got states that are really stepping forward to reconsider and think how we're doing things. And it's just really an exciting time for us to engage with our citizens and deliver for our citizens as well. You touched on this as you were giving the the last answer, but in addition to the opportunities that the bipartisan infrastructure bill is creating, there are also challenges. You talked about workforce being one of them. Another one is the transportation industry, like everyone else, still trying to recover from the last couple of years of COVID-19. Also, you know, getting back to the workforce, obviously transportation isn't the only industry that's the tiring yeah. folks. You know, they're, they're, there's a lot of other folks that are competing for much of the same talent. How do you see state DOTs grappling with some of these challenges that they're facing right now? The idea uh, that we're having to compete with other industries for people and material at a level that we've not had before, we're no longer just going to be competing against other states because I was able to perhaps attract another state industry or other companies to come work in Louisiana if we had made an investment in our state and my sister states hadn't. And so we would pull folks from other areas. That isn't happening because every state is blossoming and growing because of this infrastructure bill. It's causing DOTs to think differently. So we are looking at how do we partner with different organizations, different entities, and share like-minded, similar goals and efforts. We're having to reconsider what challenges we have. What does our organization look like? What does our processes say about who we are? Can we start to deal with alternate materials? And how do we engage with our private sector community? Case in point, the concrete industry, for example, is not able to hold their bid prices very long. How does that comport with what standard procedures and laws that are in place for me to receive a bid and then ultimately issue a notice to proceed? Can we really condense that to the two-week window that's necessary to ensure stability in the market for our our suppliers and our contractors? Those are challenges for us. And uh, of course, there's inflation. And what I, I shouldn't say I like about inflation, but what I like about what it's causing us to do is to have a more detailed conversation about managing expectations. While we are expected to receive an extra billion and a half plus dollars, if you think about what we're projecting from a competitive standpoint, a billion extra dollars over five years is about a $200 million a year infusion, maybe more on a few few of those years. We've also passed a recent gas tax or vehicle sales tax in Louisiana, where we're dedicating about 300 million. My challenge is to manage the expectation that of that extra five to $600 million a year I'm going to get, I'm only going to get the value of about 80% of that based on inflation today. Now, it's going to come down as we've seen prices of fuel and prices of production and other indices for inflation. It's going to come down, but we need to manage those expectations. And here in Louisiana, what we're doing is not only managing those expectations, but delivering projects that are essential no matter what our environment is. So there's some projects that are large, big grizzly projects that we should have done 15, 20 years ago. We can't afford to not do them because this correction is going to cause a long-term effect on the prices. And so the value of doing it now is much greater than the value of not doing it and having to do it later. So we're being responsive. 
DOTs are also being challenged to uh, hopefully divest of some of the authorities to give to locals to say, if they want to take responsibility, how do we do that in a way that adheres to federal guidelines and state guidelines? And how do we uh, best manage who makes those priorities? Still, we'll have the issues of jurisdiction and schedules of mayors and governors and legislators being elected on and off cycle. The reality is we can invest in plans in a way that we've not been able to do before and make some of those critical decisions. So I think DOTs are very nimble. Having a broader conversation about transit, having a broader conversation about safety and vulnerable users, things that are going to translate into sustainable success. Things like equity and how we spend money and who we spend money with, that will transform what and how we do everything from this point forward. Uh, So it's an exciting time to see that transition happen right before our eyes. Obviously, you have extensive experience in Louisiana, but as I mentioned in the introduction, you are currently the president of AASHTO, which involves all of the state DOTs around the country. Are the states talking with each other to compare notes on how they're dealing with some of these challenges and learn some best practices? Absolutely. You know, the partnership with AASHTO, it's a 108-year-old organization, and it's steeped in engineering and science and has evolved to deal with more technologies and innovations and all matter of policy at the federal level and, of course, at the state level. But we also have regions. Four regions of our country are divided, and our states are very similar in those regions. And so you can think about the northeastern states that are heavy in transit, or you think about the southeastern states where I am at SASHTO, where we have tremendous capacity needs and some multimodal uh, components, whether it's ports or rail and other things from an industrial side. And you think about the West Coast and what's happening in Washto. All of these regions are very unique and different, but they all share best practices. And we're seeing issues like road usage charges or connected autonomous vehicle working groups that are transcending state lines and transcending regions to best position us to maintain a network. That's happening with electric vehicles. When you look at what the federal government has required that every state have a plan, that plan has to actually integrate at some point when you cross states to manage expectations, much like the interstates. And so we do share a lot of best practices. We pay attention to what's happening. Just the idea of dealing with escalation and how do you deal with inflation? And can we index something like concrete or steel? Indexing those materials in the Southeast might have a different effect on what we're doing than what it does in the Northeast or in the Southwestern portion of the country uh, as you go past Texas. And so we are sharing some of those ideas and best practices. We melt them down together to find what is universal among them all. And we also advocate for flexibility, either at the federal level, but also within AASHTO's organization. We never want to do anything that prohibits a state from achieving their goals or helping AASHTO achieve their goals. And so that takes a delicate balance of saying, here's what can work everywhere and should work everywhere. And here's what options you have. So Louisiana, for example, is not heavily vested into CAVs because we were at a different point in our evolution in terms of asset management. You can't really invest in CAVs if you don't have the striping and the pavement conditions and all of the other things that you need to make that work, as well as the signal modernization. So every state gets to be unique and every state gets to bring uh, their best practices and experiences to the table. 
and we get to pick and choose what can work in our state. I've stolen a lot of good ideas <laughs> from places like Oregon, and we're might quite different. So you look at our complete streets policy, or you look at how we maintain bridges during winter events, seeing as though we've closed the southernmost bridge in Louisiana because of ice. Go figure. Never thought that that would happen. <laughs> we can learn about disasters and best practices from other states because climate change is bringing floods much further north. And it's bringing wildfires much further east. And it's bringing all kinds of disasters. Tornadoes are coming much further south. All of these things are really interesting dynamics that are fundamental to our jobs to keep people safe. And so, yeah, we are absolutely exchanging ideas. ITE, for example, is another example of where states can come together with industry, with innovators to think about here's a solution that you might not be doing that might get you more value, either save money, save time, or increase efficiency in your productivity. Those are things that I love about this industry that you might not see everywhere. It's so dynamic. It happens at all levels. And I'm excited that the federal government is on board with us and making investments in these things. Much like our NCHRP, where we're looking at what is the vision of transportation agencies going forward. We call it our moonshot. For example, DOTs aren't going to be the same DOTs that we were when Eisenhower built the interstate. Mm -hmm. We're in such an inflection point now is what is a DOT? Is a DOTD just multimodal? Is it about mobility? Is it about asset management? What's the ultimate goal? Because we are a process. You know, we're not the end. We are a process to a greater end. And we've got to identify that and talk about it and be united with our communities uh, across this country on delivering that. We'll have more with Dr. Sean Wilson right after this message. Do you want to reach more than 16,000 transportation professionals? Podcasts like this one are a great way to reach a dedicated audience of listeners. Sponsoring an ITE podcast is a cost-effective way to gain exposure and build brand awareness. ITE offers podcasts on key issues like mobility as a service, safety, connected and automated vehicles, and transportation systems management and operations, ensuring your message is heard by the right people. For more information, contact Tima Good at tima.good at the ygsgroup.com. That's T-I-M-A dot G-O-O-D at the ygsgroup.com. You mentioned at the ITE annual meeting, you were up there with uh, Deputy Secretary Polly Trottenberg, and the two of you addressed a cultural shift that needs to happen at state DOTs and at the federal level as well to address road safety for vulnerable users. How do you see this shift happening, and what do you think needs to happen at state DOTs for these safety considerations to become front of mind with all the other priorities that are yeah. being presented to state DOTs? So, you know, it's a it's a very interesting topic because, you know, you look across the country and we had more people die on our roads than we've had probably since 2004, 2005. Unacceptable statistics. Here in Louisiana, three people a day, nearly three people a day, I should say 2.6 some odd people per day last year were killed on our roads. Whether they were state roads or local roads, that's a challenge for us. And a great deal of them are preventable. We're seeing fewer people wearing seatbelts. We're seeing more influence of drugs and alcohol. We're seeing tremendous distractions. The culture, I think, has to be tweaked and not necessarily wholeheartedly changed. 
because every DOT has public safety at their core of what they do. The conversation around this culture needs to change. The prioritization of safety initiatives and benefits needs to change. We can do the research. We can develop the processes and the materials and the technologies to keep her safe. The challenge is how will we be authorized to do that? And all of these jurisdictions from the federal level down to the state, to the local level, not including the legislative process, we all have different standards by which we have to deal with in this political world, which is why the bipartisan initiative was so important because it emphasized safety. It authorized and licensed us to be more aggressive in a way that we had not seen before, perhaps. And you've got an administration that is championing this in a way that we've not seen. So, you know, I think the culture of safety is fundamental to what we do. Every DOT recognizes when we lose people on the road, our motor assist people are the most valuable people for our citizens, but they're the most vulnerable, not to mention folks who walking and biking and feel a need to change the way they move, not in a car, not necessarily on transit. Our folks may have some physical challenges that make it hard. We can address some of that with design. We can address some of it with policy. We can also address all of it with the priority of safety being there. And so I think galvanizing that is helpful. I also shared at ITE the importance of saying, what's that conversation like? Six years ago, when I became secretary, we couldn't say climate change. But today, in this politically charged environment, Louisiana has a big energy state, has a climate action plan that's adopted with goals for 2025 and 2030 and 2050 to be net zero. That says there's been movement to even talk about this issue. And so what you might call climate change, I will call something different. And I use the example of complete streets. We have a complete streets policy. There are several states that have a complete streets policy, but some more than others. If I don't call it complete streets, but we're building sidewalks, we're making it safer, we're building safe harbors where you cross the street, we're doing speed calming components, we're actually adding environmentally sustainable components like swales and trees and other aspects and permeable pavements in some cases. Is that not a complete street if we do it, but don't call it that? And if we call it that and it's at risk politically, should we call it that or should we be about delivering the actual service? I think about the same thing, Chairman DeFazio, who's been a huge advocate for infrastructure and safety and smart investments at the national level. Uh, I was testifying in Congress not too long ago, and one of the things he asked me about, why are some states flexing their money for safety? Well, if it's not specifically a safety project, but it's adding elements of safety to another project, and the vast majority of those dollars are coming in the capacity, but I can build that capacity safer and make it better for users, is that not safety? And so states use the tools at their disposal in the environments that are best suited for them to make the best of it. And then the last point I'll make is when it comes to funding, you know, some states are only 15, 20% federal contribution. The rest of it is from the locals. My state happens to be one where we're about 52, 53% fed and the rest are locals. And so we're in a different perspective and can make investments differently than other states can. So we've got to get past some of those jurisdictional hurdles. And it's the way we communicate. It's accepting the fact that you as a state CEO, you as a local transportation director or MPO director, you know your region best. 
and you are best suited to serve those needs. And we have to figure out how do we advance those needs as opposed to try and force a square peg in a round hole, whether it's policy, whether it's projects, whether it's investment or infrastructure in general, we've got to figure out how to manage that relationship. And that's where collaboration comes in. That's where communication and partnership comes in. And, you know, as Ashto president, I've championed my two issues, as you know, have been creating pathways to equity to change the conversation, change the decision makers, not to wholeheartedly change, but just to make it more representative of that community and the others partnering to deliver. If we can do those two things, we will get new ideas that will be validated, questioned, adopted, and we will have new people at the table that we can work with to leverage those things that we share in common in terms of goals for our states. Well, we've been talking on this episode of ITE Talks Transportation with Dr. Sean Wilson. He is the Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. Sean, thanks so much, not only for sharing your thoughts here on the podcast, but for speaking at the ITE annual meeting and letting us all hear uh, some of the exciting things that are going on in Louisiana and around the country. Thank you. And I thank ITE for its partnership with ASHTO and with all of our states. Most of our CEOs are big advocates of professional organizations to help advance the capacity because the work of ITE is actually building DOTs, not just internally, uh, but externally as well in our industry. So I appreciate the opportunity to share with you and uh, look forward to seeing you soon.